You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do the people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox president Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF. This is Bloomberg Law with June Grosso from Bloomberg Radio. Try these fabulous new fruit flavors from Ultra Slim Fast. Give us a week, we'll take off the weight. Bathing suits, short skirts. Thank you, LA Weight Loss. I have bread every day. That's the genius of this program. I lost 26 pounds and I have eaten bread every single day. We've all seen the many commercials aimed at the millions of Americans trying to lose weight with good reason. People who are fat face bias in every corner of their lives. In one survey, respondents rated people who looked overweight as lazier, weaker-willed, and less likely to win on Jeopardy. And being overweight can even cost you your job. Joining me is Bloomberg Business Week reporter Josh Idelson. Josh, you found that people who are overweight are hired less, promoted less, and paid less. One study suggests that gaining one point of body mass index, which is just six pounds for an average American woman, causes a woman's hourly pay to drop by 2%. This exemplifies how systemic weight discrimination is in U.S. society and in the U.S. workplace, where having more weight can mean not being hired, not being promoted, not being retained, or being fired, as well as being paid less money and And, being put in less desirable positions. And companies get away with this treatment of overweight employees. Something many people don't realize is that discrimination based on weight is legal in almost all of the country. There's only one U.S. state, Michigan, which has banned discrimination based on weight. There are a handful of cities that have done it. Federal law covers categories like religion and race and veteran status, but not explicitly your weight. There are cases where 
people with obesity have challenged alleged discrimination based on their weight under the Americans with Disabilities Act. The ADA prohibits discrimination based on physical impairments that interfere with major life activities. But courts in general have been pretty hesitant about finding weight to be something that is covered as a disability under the ADA, even in cases where we're talking about more serious obesity. Federal judges have written that considering obesity to be a disability could create a slippery slope that would even include protecting grossly short people. That's one of several cases in which federal judges have balked at the idea that someone's obesity inherently is a protected disability. And so judges have asked questions about whether there's a physiological cause to the person's obesity or not. As one law professor put it to me, these cases can seem pretty judgy on the judge's part. And one of the authors of the Americans with Disabilities Act argued to me that these distinctions are not really in the text of the law, that the law itself does not ask what's the origin of someone's disability. Is it in their genes or is it in a choice that they made? But there has been a sense in many of the cases from the judges that it just can't be that obesity itself automatically is legally protected. Some judges have been concerned with this concept called immutability. That is, whether the trait that's subject to discrimination is one a person can't change. This is a tricky issue, in part because a lot of Americans think of weight as not out of someone's control, as something that is a consequence of people's choices, a consequence of their willpower. But the mutability of weight really is overstated, if you look at the science on this. And in fact, the weight of immutability is overstated too. Many of the categories that are protected under discrimination law are, in a sense, not fully immutable. Your religion, for example, is something that you can choose to change, but most Americans don't think it's something you should have to change in order to get a job or in order to keep a job. Some of the conclusions the judges reach in these cases seem unusual to me, to put it mildly. Tell us about the New Jersey casino. There was a case brought by the cocktail waitresses at a casino in New Jersey who the casino deemed Borgata Babes. They argued that the company was illegally regulating their weight, restricting the number of pounds they were allowed to gain. And the judge ruled that, in fact, the company legally was entitled to regulate its employees' weight. He wrote that if you are gaining a lot of pounds, your body is telling you something. And he also wrote that the plaintiffs can't shed the label of babe because it was something that they embraced by going to work for the Borgata in the first place. This judge, by the way, is also the author of the book Boardwalk Empire. How is the U.S. catching up with science as far as weight is concerned? You know, there are a lot of websites and a lot of women talking about how weight shouldn't be a consideration. But how is the U.S. catching up with the science? So, Research suggests that our bodies really are more a product of our genes and our environment than of our willpower, and that when people's weight goes down a lot, that tends to be temporary. And having your weight drastically 
decrease and increase repeatedly itself is a risk factor for dangerous health conditions. Over time, in recent years, we've seen the growth of a health at every size movement promoting nutrition and exercise that's been gaining ground among nutritionists and doctors and patients. We've seen a whole new conversation on social media about fat shaming and shifting the blame away from individuals for their weight and towards companies and brands for not serving larger people and for contributing to stigma against larger people. We've seen media outlets pivot in the case of Vogue magazine, for example, from promoting diets from a cottage cheese diet to a Chinese diet to now profiling intuitive eating, eating what you're actually hungry for when you're actually hungry for it. And we've seen legislative efforts to change the law to write protections for overweight or obese people into the law. Yeah, I have to say that I have been on some of those crazy diets. So let's talk about the laws. As you point out, more than half of the states have laws protecting people who smoke cigarettes on their own time, yet only one has a law banning discrimination based on weight in a few cities. How do those laws make a difference in the state or the city and as far as lawsuits that are brought there? The bigger picture here is that most people in the U.S. are operating under what's called at-will employment, which means your boss can fire you for almost any reason or with no reason at all. There are specific exceptions to that fiat that managers have in the U.S., like the protection in civil rights laws or in labor law, letting people organize collectively with at least in theory, some protection against getting fired. And in the state of Michigan and some cities, there are protections that include a ban on discrimination based on people's weight. In Michigan, we've seen a lawsuit brought by a former manager for Coach who said the company, when she was petite, promoted her. And then once she wasn't, fired her and in between pressured her to take weight loss hormones and to get bariatric surgery and even asked in a performance evaluation what had happened to the version of her that ate lean cuisines every day. That lawsuit was settled on undisclosed terms. We've seen in San Francisco a settlement with Jazzercise where the company said it would no longer require that its dance fitness teachers look leaner than the public. And the company, Jazzercise in that case, said that studies had shown that it might indeed be possible for people of varying weights to be fit. There was also a study in 2016 which found that the efficacy of these protections varies, seemingly in part based on how strong the enforcement mechanisms are, but that some of them, like in Madison, Wisconsin, and in Urbana, Illinois, had significantly improved the labor market outcomes for people with obesity. It is extremely difficult, as we've seen in the history of our country, it's extremely difficult to expand civil rights protections. What is going on now that might change that as far as weight discrimination? There is a confluence of events 
that make advocates believe they have the best chance in decades now to vastly expand the number of Americans who have protection against weight discrimination. The science has advanced. The conversation on social media has shifted. Other civil rights advances have emboldened and inspired people. In New York, for example, there have been laws passed in recent years protecting people based on gender identity and based on hairstyles such as afros. We saw this watershed Supreme Court ruling interpreting the sex discrimination clause in the Civil Rights Act of 1964 to also protect LGBTQ people on the grounds that anti-gay or anti-trans bias is inherently a form of sex discrimination. The confluence of those events has given new life to efforts at the state level to add weight as well as height to existing discrimination laws. And in New York, a new effort is being mounted by prominent lawmakers and a retail union. In Massachusetts, a bill that has been introduced in different versions for a couple decades now has passed the Judiciary Committee, and the effort to prohibit weight discrimination has now been endorsed by the state's attorney general, who's the likely next governor of Massachusetts. I didn't realize this. In Massachusetts, it's been a decades-long push to try to ban weight bias? Yes, that's right. The lawmaker who had been introducing this over and over retired and passed the baton on to a newer senator who says she herself has witnessed weight discrimination in areas of her life from being an attorney to being a dancer to being a parent. In 2007, management side attorneys criticized a version of the Massachusetts law saying that it was wrong to treat weight as something immutable that is comparable to a category like race and arguing that the law was unnecessary. But recently, there has not been much vocal opposition from business groups to these pushes for new workplace protection around weight. Do you think that's because attitudes are changing toward weight? And, you know, you talk about Katie Storino and what she's been doing. Business lobbies argue that their members already oppose and avoid discrimination. Advocates for these weight protections say companies would bring down shame on themselves if they were vocally advocating for maintaining their legal right to discriminate based on weight. I talked to a leader of the Michigan Chamber of Commerce who said they don't necessarily think everyone should add this protection to their law, but that in Michigan, they don't hear much complaint about it. And that once the law is on the books, you figure out a way to live with it. And they have done that there in Michigan. I talked to Katie Storino, a consultant and writer and content creator who now has 680,000 followers on Instagram, where she posts things like images of herself remaking celebrities' outfits to fit her and images of herself on video trying to fit into the largest sizes that some brands provide to show that they're not large enough. She now is working with 
Amazon to develop a clothing line including size 4X and 5X clothing that goes on sale this month. Josh, I'm wondering, though, despite the laws that are on the books, whether there's still going to be internal bias that you can't really prove, like a thin person getting a promotion over a heavier person. I just wonder if that kind of bias is just here to stay. Well, laws against discrimination don't eradicate all discrimination. And not everyone who is discriminated against succeeds in proving it in court. And there are all sorts of obstacles in the U.S., including forced arbitration clauses, for example, that prevent people who've been discriminated against from vindicating their rights under the law. But that said, law and social norms influence each other. So the the shift in the culture away from stigmatizing people for their weight is increasing the possibility of passing legal protections. In turn, passing new legal protections has a social impact as well. One of the lawmakers I spoke to referred to it as the educational function of the law. And people do look at the law as representing something about what's okay in our society or not. Thanks, Josh. That's Josh Idelson of Bloomberg Business Week. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. Athletes, actors, artists. But what about the people behind the scenes? You know, the ones who make it all happen. The lighting engineers, the sideline photographers, the caterers. They're small business masterminds. And if there's one thing they have in common, it's making their money work harder. That's why they have a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where they are now earning a generous 5% annual percentage yield. Yes, 5% APY. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. Success is more than the final destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's discipline. It's teamwork. And it's the drive and passion inside of us that comes before all recognition. It's what Stiefel's been doing for over 130 years. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel's become one of the fastest-growing wealth management and investment banking firms in the country. Our financial advisors go beyond traditional wealth management to provide clients with direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises and a leading middle market investment bank. Because success is the drive it takes to keep climbing, the passion to keep investing, the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Start your journey at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. The mayor of New York City did it, and many other people want to do the same. Get their pay in Bitcoin. Joining me is Paige Smith, Bloomberg Law Reporter. You're hearing that more employees are asking to be paid in Bitcoin Yes. So there are a number of employees and workers in, uh, across industries, to be honest with you, that 
are sort of looking to a, a number of different cryptocurrencies, not just Bitcoin, to essentially ask for their paychecks in those cryptocurrencies. And there are, are also some companies that are sort of stepping in to help them achieve that because there are some legal limitations to what you can and can't do when it comes to getting your paycheck in crypto. So is it in particular people in the tech industry or all over? So I spoke with some attorneys who have fielded a number of questions from clients on this. They've said that it's mostly companies in the tech space that want to give that opportunity to workers who are maybe more familiar with cryptocurrencies than sort of your everyday journalists, for example. I mean, there are, I know there are a number of journalists covering cryptocurrencies, but I think that a lot of my friends don't necessarily know the legalities of getting uh, your paycheck in crypto. So there are a number of folks across industries asking for their paychecks in cryptocurrency. Some high-profile examples have been, you know, the New York City Mayor Eric Adams, he sort of asked for his paycheck in cryptocurrency to push the city to be more crypto friendly. Um, and there have been some other folks like the Miami mayor and even athletes like Aaron Rodgers have at least partially <laughs> looked into the idea of getting their paychecks in crypto. So what about the legalities? Is it legal? That's a good question. As it stands right now, all wages are dictated by the Fair Labor Standards Act. That's a statute that was signed into law in 1938, and it basically clarifies how you as a worker can receive your wages. So as it stands currently, workers must be paid in American currency. So legally, the payment of wages in crypto is not recognized at this time. You have to get your paycheck in cash or what is called a negotiable instrument payable at par, like a check. But that being said, there are some ways that you know workers can essentially convert their paychecks into crypto. And there are companies that are stepping in to help them do that. So companies like payroll service providers who will essentially help you as a worker convert your paycheck into crypto. If it isn't strictly legal, how do you account for the fact that, as you said, the mayor of New York City got paid in Bitcoin? So it doesn't prevent you as a worker from, you know, converting your wages into whatever you would like to convert them into. So, for example, you can still convert your wages into cryptocurrencies after the fact. But I spoke with the CEO of a payroll service provider that essentially explained this to me that, you know, you're still basically being paid in your local currency, but it's just you're then converting the net amount you're entitled to in crypto. So it's sort of a two-step process, if you will. So you could just as easily buy crypto with the salary you make. That's essentially the process. So tell us about this company that will transfer your wages to crypto. There are a number of payroll service providers at this time that are um, you know, helping companies offer this service to their workers. So it's sort of a benefit, if you will. You know, I spoke with one CEO, um, the CEO and co-founder of a company called Papaya Global, who sort of explained to me how it would work, which is, you know, you're essentially paid in your local currency, and then they convert the net amount into the cryptocurrency. But that way, your employer is still responsible for any sort of required taxes. And, you know, the CEO said it's not as if they're helping companies or employees pay less in taxes. It's just that they're providing this conversion service, if you will. So the company pays the employee regularly and stays out of this secondary transaction. 
So I spoke with some attorneys who said that legally it would be best to, in order to mitigate litigation risk, to sort of stay away from that secondary transfer or that that sort of conversion process. It basically, it would kind of give them a, a buffer, if you will, because uh, it would just mitigate wage-related litigation risk. Are there tax issues with getting cryptocurrency? Well, I, I think there are a number of different risks when you as an employee opt to, you know, opt to investigate this or opt to investigate this, this option. Um, I mean, volatility is, is certainly a glaring concern. You know, the value of cryptocurrencies can fluctuate very dramatically. And, you know, attorneys also did say that, you know, if employers are offering this for their workers, they should, you know, be very clear that there are tax concerns that workers should um, explore. I mean, capital gains taxes kick in any time a worker sells or buys another cryptocurrency. So that is definitely a cost for both companies and employees to consider. Thanks so much, Paige. That's Paige Smith, Bloomberg Law Reporter for Labor and Employment. And that's it for this edition of the Bloomberg Law Show. Remember, you can always get the latest legal news on our Bloomberg Law podcast. You can find them on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and at www.bloomberg.com slash podcast slash law. And remember to tune into the Bloomberg Law Show every weeknight at 10 p.m. Wall Street time. I'm June Grosso, and you're listening to Bloomberg. Join Bloomberg in San Francisco or virtually on May 7th for the Future Investor, Data-Powered Transformations. This 2024 event series will examine how data is not only playing a pivotal role in investment decisions, but serves as a driving force behind the construction of innovative, investable enterprises. This series is proudly sponsored by Invesco QQQ. Register at BloombergLive.com slash Future Investor slash Radio. 